0: Greetings, friends. I'm Will Nicholas from Never Odd or Even, and this is the Deep Faith Nine podcast, exploring faith and fiction. Deep Space Nine. It's a wonderful reflective moment. Flame
1: the dark. True salt wave. Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. What's going on? Why is this being highlighted?
0: That itself is another interesting question, isn't it? I think I'm starting to get why this science fiction thing is, uh, <laughs> uh, is so attractive. You'll, you'll make a sci-fi fan out of me here. Greetings, friends. This is Will Nicholas, and this is the final episode of the series three for Deep Faith Nine. Uh, can't believe that we've gone through uh, series one, two, and three, um, and finally, when we resume Deep Space Nine next year, uh, in uh, uh, late February, early March, um, we will be going into season four, and really, Deep Space Nine starts to pick up after season four with uh, a, a bunch of new characters being introduced uh, and uh, and a, and a very interesting um, tension growing with the impending war with the Dominion. But today, uh, we uh, have got uh, a fantastic final episode uh, called The Adversary, uh, episode number 26 in season 3, and in this episode, the Defiant is off to show the Federation presence to the new Zenkathi government, and while underway, the ship malfunctions, and there are repeated instances that lead Sisko to believe that perhaps there is a saboteur on board. Everybody is suspect, and the crew feels the tension as each uh, member of the crew has to try and uh, work out who it is that might be uh, placing the ship at risk. No one is who they appear to be, and in a, uh, an, an incredibly um, uh, chilling twist, it turns out that the traitor is in fact a changeling and could appear as anyone. We get a final moment in this episode where Odo uh, confronts the, the changeling and for the first time in changeling history, a changeling kills another changeling. Uh, and in these dying words, the changeling says to Odo, it's too late, we are everywhere. To help me to work through this uh, episode uh, full of uh, treachery and intrigue, uh, I have my, my very own dad, uh, John Nicholas, um, the, one of the people who inspired my love of science fiction uh, throughout uh, my, my upbringing and even today uh, we continue to have many conversations and it is the conversations with members of my family like my dad um, that have actually inspired me to make this podcast uh, because we've had so many deep and meaningful conversations around various episodes. Welcome to the podcast, John. Hello, Will. How are you today? I am good. I'm good. So um, I always ask these questions when people join me on the podcast. Um, When did you first start watching Star Trek?
1: Uh, Probably in the very first series. It was on uh, once a week. Couldn't wait for it to happen. And always we're excited at school to come home and watch an episode of Star Trek. So
0: did you catch that very first pilot with uh with uh, Captain Christopher Pike and his first officer number 1
1: Not at that time but I've seen it several times since
0: Yeah it's an amazing um uh, uh progression that from that moment the the dream that Gene Roddenberry had to create a, uh, I guess a, a a utopian future has actually grown into a franchise that's lasted now more than 50 years um and um has has uh um been able to actually more than that um, because uh, the original Star Trek that was out in the 1960s was it?
1: Yeah I'm pretty sure that I was in the last years of high school Uh, I think I started to watch it in about 1964 maybe 63.
0: What was the general feeling then um, among people uh, who were engaging in Star Trek was it was it a small niche group of Nerdy people like like uh, has been you know in today or or was there a, a larger following what, what what kind of what kind of thoughts did the general community have about uh, Gene Roddenberry's plan?
1: From what I could gather, everybody thought it was something new and exciting and was were interested in watching it. The nerd attachment didn't really come till much later, when uh, when it being a Trekkie became fashionable and then unfashionable. Uh, it's still to today there are people who think Trekkies are a bit weird and sometimes we see that in different shows that we watch that somebody uses a Star Trekkie and is talking about um, Klingon language and all sorts of stuff and they use them as a, a point of ridicule and usually they're pretty smart
0: and and i guess in that age you know that's the age of uh, of of the space race and the uh attempts to get into orbit and then the and then the successful landing on the moon that's all happening at the same time as this science fiction is actually
1: beginning and coming into play that's exactly right that's what i think that's what got it off the ground and i think the imagination of the people that were involved in it and the the way that they willingly got into their roles. I mean, uh, Shatner was a bit of an overactor when he started in it, but that was part of the 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 uh in- attraction of the series, I think how he he tended to over overact and Dr. McCoy also was a bit of a an overactor. They all were a little bit when you think about how um uh the the engineer Scotty used to get all um excited about you can't um, break the rules of science, of physics you can't do this you can't do that and he always had that little thing up his sleeve like most people who fix things are like when I was in the trade fixing a lot of things I always used to tell people that it would take me an hour to fix it and knowing I could get it done in about 15 minutes
0: that's how you keep your reputation as a miracle worker
1: that's right and not only that you don't get them to expect too much of you
0: I did love that episode of uh, Star Trek Next Generation called Relics where Scotty comes back uh, and um, they um, he, he he's talking to Geordie LaForge and Lordy, Geordie LaForge says to him, oh, we'll, we'll get it done in this time. And he says, you didn't tell the captain how yeah, long no, it was that, actually going to take, did you? <laughs> like, that's,
1: that's right. We never do that. You don't, that, you don't do that. And I think uh, when he did make appearances, when he... Sort of went back in time at the Star Trek time, and he was making he was going to make something to try and get their them back to their own time and he walked up to the current day keyboard and said, "Computer <laughs> computer <laughs> the computer was just a keyboard. Oh, we do it the old fashioned way then and he could st- still operate the um the the keyboard and and how quaint it was.
0: I think the the fun thing, too, is that uh, James Doohan, um, who plays Scotty, I don't think he even has a Scottish accent, does he?
1: I don't know if James Doohan has a Scottish accent. I've, I haven't actually seen him in – I may not have seen him in anything else, but I don't think he does. Mum said in the background, no, he doesn't. So uh, she, she knows everything. So knows everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've had Mum on a couple of weeks ago, which was great to, to have her on and, uh, and talk to us about the episode with, uh, with Dr. Bashir. Um, so have you got a favourite uh, character in Star Trek? Uh, I know there's a lot to choose from now if you're going all the way through.
1: Yeah, I think probably my favourite character in Star Trek would, would have to be Khan. I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you, and I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, as you left her, marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet, buried alive, buried alive.
0: Oh wow, a villain! Yep. I think now you're talking the original Khan from the movie I'm *The Wrath of Khan*, not the new I one.
1: Like, but I liked them both, and I liked the uh, the impression that they gave of when they brought Khan back. What was the name of the actor that played him? It was a funny. He's got a funny name. the The original actor was Montel uh, but the, oh, you mean Benedict Cumberbatch? Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah, that's the guy. I thought he did a pretty good job as Khan. My name is. why would a starfleet admiral ask a 300 year old frozen man for help because i am better at what everything they changed the the abilities of the character a bit but he he was quite good in that i enjoyed that enjoyed that movie
0: well, they got to play around with alternate timelines as well in that one. So the new yeah, Star yeah. Trek movies, of course, um, have been affected by Spock travelling back through time and uh, and um, affecting the way the timeline runs. Um, and that's absolutely fascinating when you consider that uh, in Discovery, it's Spock who actually sends um, the Discovery with Michael Burnham forward through time 900 years into the future. So this Spock character then becomes this pivotal character who's involved in, uh, in the, the affectation of multiple timelines in the Star Trek universe
1: If you want to know one thing that I don't really like about Star Trek which is I don't really like what they did to the Klingons in the Discovery series
0: yeah, it was a bit unusual, but I think after season one they kind of rectified that a little bit, which was good. It's a season, as I've said before on the the podcast, season one's a bit of a, a bit of a slog for Discovery, but once you yeah. get into season two and then on into three, um, it, it gets um, it really picks up a bit. It's uh, it's f- fascinating just mentioning Spock in the timeline. I imagine that if uh, if uh, uh, Um, the TVA from Loki were involved, uh, they might be wanting to um, catch up with Spock and actually um, attempt him to stop creating all of these alternate timelines. Um, And I'll I'll be doing a a series of the um, podcast called The Sacred Timeline. That'll be starting on the 20th of August. So we're having a short break after this um, and then uh, you can expect uh, our Friday releases from Neverod or even... Uh, to be uh, uh, following uh, those six episodes of Loki um, so that we can have a look at that. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the TVA would have uh, come after Spock and uh, pruned him from the timeline uh, um, yeah. if, if uh, they had the chance.
1: Well, the, the other thing that, that Star Trek does, if you look at it, and it's something that I was particularly interested in, is the way the communications changed, uh, how they could... Just give everything by verbal verbal command to communicate backwards and forwards with the badge that was on their chest, and and if they wanted to uh, talk, they didn't have to flip open like a flip phone, which flip phones hadn't even been heard of then. But in the future, like in my time, flip phones did appear, and we thought, wow, here we go, Star Trek is happening. Yep, and
0: mm-hmm. now we do have watches and brooches and uh, and items that we can use that don't require even a phone to.
1: And tiny little miniature cameras that fit into eyeglasses that you can't see. And then when you operate your mobile phone these days, you can get the sound out of a mobile phone as if you had an old-fashioned record player on that's that's worth $1,000 in those days. they got such they've improved so much the, the speaker quality from very small speakers.
0: And even today, um, you're sitting in your home at Port Stephens on the uh, central coast of New South Wales, uh, whilst I'm down uh, in Geelong. Uh, and we're actually, I, I, even when I was a, a teenager in the 80s, I would never have imagined that we would be able to um, conduct a, a, an interview for a podcast like this um using the technology that we have today and Star Trek has inspired so much of that technology
1: yeah we used to carry a transistor radio when I was um 14 or 15 and take it with us everywhere and think we were so cool
0: <laughs> portable radio the wireless yeah, yeah. they used to call it
1: yeah well they were called wirelesses for originally because there was no wires connecting them to anything yep if, especially if they had batteries
0: Let's get on with the episode today. Uh, this episode, The Adversary, uh, has got um, some, some really interesting things to it. What, what are, you've watched the episode. What are some things that have jumped out for you as you've, um, as you've watched this episode uh, just in the last 24 hours?
1: I would think that one of the things that jumped out at me was once the, 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 the um, mission was, was described nobody questioned the ambassador at all. And the ambassador was somebody they didn't really know very well, although they had seen him before and they knew his face. But they unquestionably went on with the mission. And at the end of the show, they find out that the ambassador wasn't the ambassador at all. The ambassador had disappeared somewhere between one place and another and he was either dead or uh, was captured. So I would think that one of the things that could've, they could have done they did show was that they absolutely trusted the chain of command and they trusted the uniform and the office of the ambassador but maybe that's a lesson for all of us that we really shouldn't at all times trust the chain of command and the people who are telling us what what's what just a short
0: Google search, um, or the equivalent of Google search in their future, may have actually resulted in them discovering that there was no conflict with the Zen Cathy government um, and that they had been manipulated in sending the Federation's greatest warship uh, into a space where it was going to be able to create, um, create conflict. Uh, there's that striking moment as they're hurtling through space, they've lost control of their ship and they realise that the ambassador is, is potentially the one who was put on board as a changeling. And then they start to question everything. They start to say, well, now what can we be certain about? We can't be certain about any of our relationships. We can't be certain about um, our mission. We can't be certain about anything. And I think it's at that point that uh, the captain... Um, I can call him Captain now because he gets his promotion at the beginning of the episode. Captain Sisko gets to uh, do the thing that we, we love most in Star Trek episodes, uh, and, the, and that is to set the, uh, the ship to self-destruct. Don't we love those uh, um, destruct code words and countdown settings when they happen um, in Star Trek?
1: If you listen to the uh, code words that Kiri uses and when she has to put the, the backup in, and listen to it carefully it's all to do with second in command it's b2222 2, 2, 2, b2 something else not a very so strong it's... password is it no not really you'd know that you'd be able to work that out pretty quick if you knew what was going on so any but they i did notice though she had to put her hand on a screen to prove it was her now if a changeling is able to change themselves do they change their handprints and dna as well and the answer to that is yes because as, as Odo said, if you look at me and put a when I'm a rock, you'll see a rock, and there's and there's no way in the world to know that I'm a changeling. In the same way as if you scan Doctor Bashir or me or or any of the crew, you will see Doctor Bashir, and you won't know it isn't it isn't him. The only way to tell is to remove a part of the changeling, because when the part of the changeling is removed, it turns back into its gelatinous gil- gelatinous state. So that's what they tried to do, but. But Bashir was pretty clever because he was the changeling at the time, and the real Bashir was in was in lockup. He was able to substitute his blood in, and put the changeling's blood into the vial when he took it off. The, uh, uh, the you get the, the, that the, cool um, close
0: up of him holding the two vials in his hand, and, yeah. and you kind of if if you're if you're astute, then you go, hang on, he can yeah. switch those. He's done a switcheroo.
1: That's exactly right. And so they're marching, what's the guy who wasn't very, he's not a very popular guy, the chief of Eddington. Yeah, he turns out to be a bit of an unknown factor in the whole series. But they were marching him off to prison when suddenly they discovered that he wasn't the changeling because they found the real Dr. Bashir locked up
0: it's interesting we mention Eddington there because uh, we 'll get on to him in a little bit but because uh, he fits in with this whole idea of of who can you trust um, and and how do we how do we work out what relationships um, we can count on um, but uh, before we get on to that i I, I just wanted to cover that um, one of the things that I noted when we were watching this um is that uh I I like to play, and my my kids like to play, and uh, these games um, like Among Us, um, Wolfed uh, or Werewolf um, is another one, uh, and uh, Secret Hitler uh, is another one. Uh, These games where uh, one or many of the people are actually um, uh, potentially traitors or treacherous. Uh, there's also um, a version of the game Battlestar Galactica where you've got a secret Cylon on board who may or may not be leading the group Australia. There's something really thrilling about being in a scenario um, where you have to work out who the bad guy is. Uh, it's a little bit and like who, those... And,
1: and who you can trust. Who
0: you can trust, that's I, right.
1: I, 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 re- I remember playing a game with somebody that's very close to your heart when we used to live together, Zacky your oldest son and he would always smash me in halo and I said I'm not going to play halo with you anymore because you're so much better at it than I am it's not a fair competition and he'd say granddad I promise you I will not smash you we'll work as a team thank you very much Zachy and we'd start to play and within five minutes he'd smash me so he just says you just can't trust anybody in the board game. <laughs> yeah.
0: And we had um, we had Zachary on last week as the Praxis Collective, um, and he was talking about DID. And if you didn't catch that episode, it's worth going back to have a listen to. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, and we would probably discover um, that uh, the mischievous uh, individual who was actually doing that in Halo was probably uh, the personality of, of uh, Praxis that's uh, called Flynn. Um, the, the, he's the... The, the cheeky uh little mischievous lad who actually uh, is quite happy to say I'll oh, I'll 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 be your friend and then shoot you in the back when you're not looking that's exactly right
1: and he used to say to me the reason that he did it was cuz I was so easy to do easy
0: to do yeah <laughs> and, and look the, there are, there are other games as well like so there are games where um uh we would have played back in our Christian youth group days, Um, you know, games like uh, Murder Winks was a game where everybody would be in a room and you'd be sitting down and one person would go out of the room and they would be the detective and one person was selected as part of the group to be sitting there and they could, everybody would know who that person is except the detective and that person would then slowly but surely choose to wink at somebody in the circle Without the detective knowing, and as each person was winked at, they would get the chance to dramatically die, and uh, the detective had to deduce who the uh, who the potential murderer was.
1: Who was the deadly winker?
0: That's right. So we we have this uh, we have this really fun, um, uh, I guess, attraction to um, playing these games of deduction. Um, that actually require us to work it out. And as I was watching this one, I thought, wow, what a great game of deduction this would make, uh, the Adversary episode, where... Um, all of the players have different roles and abilities uh, and uh, and skills um, to try and uh, work it out um, and one player has actually been given a, a a card that says "You are the changeling and the rest of them have to work out who the changeling is uh, uh, through the through the game so I thought that'd be and, fun and the and the chang-
1: changeling could actually have a card in his hand or her hand that he could play to another player who who didn't see the card and then they became the changeling and he wasn't anymore. That's right. Yep. So, so you could, you ha- could have a, a whole lot of things like that.
0: You could swap it around. Yeah, abso- especially if you thought you were about to be caught, you could actually ditch the role so that somebody yeah, else yeah. might get it. So look th- that's one of the the fun things about this episode. It's got that whole Scooby-Doo kind of element to it where the mask is pulled off at the end and it says we would have got away with it if it wasn't for you uh, you pesky kids kind of thing. Um, but let, let's move on to the whole idea of treachery and, and, um, and, and talk about um, that experience, that, that sinking feeling that we get at times where we actually discover that someone that we rely upon can no longer be relied upon. Um, it takes me to the Last Supper uh, in the Easter story where, where Jesus is uh, saying to Judas, uh, go and do what you know you have to go and do. Uh, he realizes that he has a traitor in his midst in Judas. Um, those, those are pretty, I think for me, they're, they're, they're some of the worst experiences when, when you realize you can't trust someone.
1: Yep. There's the, there's certainly is a time in your life when you can get let down by somebody who you really do trust. And, and I think that's that happened in that series that in that episode we just watched because all of those people except for maybe Eddington who said that he didn't trust anybody he only did his job and he'd do his job to the maximum of his ability but he didn't trust anyone that was his character right from the beginning but all of all of the others really trusted each other and this, this what you said before was they looked at each other and said any one of us or anything could be the the problem So we don't know what that is. We'll have to work out how we're going to find it.
0: And that creates a huge (coughs) level of tension and insecurity. Um, The stress involved in actually not being sure um, that you can rely on the people that you've relied upon in the past um is 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 overwhelming. I, I love that scene where the Bolian um I, I didn't catch his. I don't think he was given a name, but he's the blue guy, um and he's paired up with Major Kira and uh and uh, Major yeah, so Kira she, says you go
1: first. No, yeah, you go first. That's <laughs> right.
0: Don't you trust me? Nope, and I don't trust nope. you either. Like know. it's kind of like they they just don't know who to trust. Um and so every decision you make then becomes suspect. Um and and uncertain.
1: Well they do that in a lot of movies not only just Star Trek you know I I watched one once I think it was called Where Eagles Dare and we didn't really know who the person was that was the Nazi spy until <laughs> until it was revealed right at the end so I like, I think you've said to me a lot of times that there are um, only a few stories and they are just adaptable to all s- situations
0: and the ones that are familiar these tropes that actually remind us of other stories they give us a a, i guess an instant connection so it's it's not a bad thing to use um, those stories eddington's a fascinating character in this in that um he they've done something with this star trek that they that they haven't really done before they've introduced a character for a particular reason and he's appeared periodically so we we got eddington first appearing back in the end of season two um where um they've they've actually um introduced um the the eddington character uh, as a as a security um a um operative officer from the federation to work alongside uh odo uh who is the bajoran um head of security for the station so there's a there's a it's kind of like uh uh, I, I, um, the federation is, is more like a, a national level. We have a federation here in Australia uh, and, um, and Bajor is like a state within that uh, and so it's like the difference between um, federal police and state police uh, in, in that regard. Um, and he's been introduced uh, and appeared a, a, in fairly significant roles in a number of episodes throughout season three and in this one because the setup is and we don't worry about spoilers in this because it's now more than 20 years old this uh, actually getting closer to 30 years old this series um in in and you should have watched it by now but but the setup here is that Eddington is going to betray everyone on deep space 9 to the marquee um yes. so so this episode kind of forecasts that a little bit, especially in pointing the finger at Eddington as a traitor. Um, He's not the traitor we think he is, but he is still working behind the scenes as a traitor uh, for the marquee. He does him. go to prison yeah. yeah um and and I think uh, cuz uh, there's a, there's an entire series of episodes where Eddington plays the role of uh of, of Jean Valjean um and no, is it Javert he plays the role of Javert and he forces yeah. he forces um Cisco into the role of Jean Valjean no That's it's right. the other way around yeah. other way around he plays the role of Jean Valjean who's on the run and he yeah, forces that's right. Cisco, Cisco get into this. The detective that the was there. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and so he really challenges Cisco's passion, um, um, and Cisco has to work out whether or not he's out for revenge or out for justice. And the yeah. two two actually look job. very similar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, that's what I I got out of that one was Cisco had to do his job, but he wasn't real keen on the result.
0: Well, per, I think the issue is that that betrayal is very personal. Uh, and so when someone betrays us and we, we, we need to, to catch them out for it or we need to have them face up to that betrayal, um, there's two things at play. One is the personal sense of hurt that we've been betrayed and that sense of maybe embarrassment that comes from being betrayed. So that makes us very passionate in our pursuit of of of, of
1: catching them. So you know when you talk about being, being betray- betrayed, if somebody is being a spy and they're, the, for one of better words, the goodies, being a spy on Nazi Germany, and somebody who finds out that they're a spy and betrays them, what I want to know is where does the first guilt fall if the guy is a, is a spy and he's an original um, German citizen who supports the Third Reich and then he decides to spy on the Third Reich and then somebody dobs him in and he gets caught, who is the betrayer? In, in, an,
0: in an ideal world, you would say um, that you should always tell the truth, that we should always be, uh, be authentic.
1: Well, then we wouldn't have any trouble with spies or being betrayed, would we?
0: But but there are times um, in in life where, and and I guess this is where the faith element for this comes in, where where actually the greater good is served by actually telling a lie, um, and so we've got this this commandment in the Old Testament. This is thou shalt not lie, um, but 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 I guess there there are times where, where it's important not to tell the truth.
1: In that in that uh, commandment, where it says thou shalt not lie it also says that 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 you have to love one another and if you find that you need to lie to somebody because if you don't you're going to hurt them very badly because of something that you know that you really don't think would be any good for them to know how do you work that out a lot of, a lot a lot of people do, do keep things to themselves especially when it comes to very personal things that they don't want to tell another person because it's going to hurt them uh, not that it's going to hurt you because you know about it already, but the hurt will go to the other person.
0: But it it could hurt you. I mean, I, I, I just last week in the uh, in the lectionary because um, I, I I preach every Sunday morning, and we were looking at the story of David uh, and Bathsheba. Yeah, I,
1: I watched. I, I watched what you do. Yeah, so was that was it.
0: on the on the Newtown Uniting Facebook page. Um, I had that up there, and and but what's fascinating about that story is is that uh, the king sees the beautiful Bathsheba from from the rooftop and and he acts on impulse he says bring yeah, he her did, to me he
1: didn't avert his eyes did he no
0: no he did well yeah. he did worse than that he actually yeah, yeah, he he right. brought he had her brought to him um and and she's there you know, in the presence of the king, really unable to say no, um, and and so you know, there's a, there's a sense in which you know it would have been considered to be statutory rape, I guess, in one sense, in that that uh, that, that there's no level of consent uh, in in the relationship between David and Bathsheba.
1: So is it clear in that story whether or not she actually fancied David?
0: I think it's irrelevant because no, no, that's, yeah. that's what, what I'm saying,
1: because if he said if she said to him, "I don't fancy you." Uh, then it hurts David, but she tells the truth and it hurts her in the end because he might have put her head on the block.
0: Well, and I I think, though, even if she did, um, what's not to fancy about um, the king king. of the land, the great warrior, the handsome, he's a singer, he's a poet, you know, like there's a sense in which, you know, he, he... If he wants to have a relationship with her, which he he can't have anyway because she's a married woman, but if he wants to have a relationship with her, then he actually has to be very, very careful that there is no aspect of his power that is manipulating her into being in that relationship.
1: Because he was considered an honest and just king, and he would not have been able to be... hurt by somebody coming along and saying, we're going to sack you as king because of what you've done, but his reputation would have been smashed. Oh, yeah, end, that's in right. In the end, his reputation was smashed. It was pointed out, you did this. It Absolutely. How but, hard you try and hide it, you did it.
0: But this is where the betrayal comes in. He does lie and try to hide it. He calls for Uriah to come back from the front lines, and and Uriah is called back from the front lines, and he. It, it's really interesting, almost... Uh, a, almost uh, um, a tragic kind of process where he he says to Uriah, um, he he calls him back because he says, "Oh, the king wants to see you," so he has to travel back from the front lines of the war. The king then says, "Oh, yes, I've I want to see you because I needed to ask you a question about this." And then because he'd asked the question, he said, "Okay, well, look, have a couple of days off, go home, and 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 uh.
1: and enjoy and enjoy your marriage life." Yeah, and yes.
0: and his hope was David's hope was that. That would mean that um, there would be uncertainty about um, whether or not it was he who was the father, or Uriah who was the father, and that no one would ask questions about Bathsheba's pregnancy because Uriah had come home from the war. That's right.
1: The interesting, the interesting thing about the interesting about portrayal is that when they, when David sent Uriah back to fight. He put him in the front lines, but he called his sub lieutenants in and said to them, once you get up there in the big fight, everybody withdraw and leave Uriah there by himself to be killed. So not only did King David betray Uriah to death, but all of Uriah's army and sub lieutenants who probably were his um, confidants did what the king said got involved in the betrayal, withdrew and left Uriah standing out there in the middle of the battle.
0: And now because Uriah had come back to home and spent a couple of days there and now he's dead, David gets away with um, sleeping with Bathsheba. He gets away with murder and nobody knows that it's going to happen. And, and, And the reality is he covers his tracks completely and there is no way for anyone to know until... God says to a prophet, here's the real story, go and confront the king. So he gets away with it. David gets away all the way. There is no way without divine intervention that David is going to get caught for this.
1: No, it's possible that in the the end, which they'd have to be very brave men, that the lieutenants that betrayed Uriah could have told the story.
0: Potentially, but they may not even know why they were given the orders and they may not have been able to trace those orders back to um, yep. to the king. I, I love the way science fiction and fantasy uses these biblical stories. I mean, you, you could put this scene um, holus bolus into Game of Thrones and it would fit entirely.
1: Oh, there's plenty of those scenes in Game of Thrones. Plenty of stories. Right. Like that.
0: And in one of my favourite uh, novels written by Raymond E. Feist, um, you've got the story um, of the Soranai, um, and uh, in that particular story, uh, in the sequel trilogy to that uh, uh daughter of the empire um she becomes the ruler of her house because that very thing actually happens to her father and brothers that are that a competing general actually causes the leaders of her house um, to to have to charge into battle and what I loved about the writing of that is that in the magician the first book they actually there's a there's a conversation between a couple of the 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 McKean generals who are standing there going. Why do this why do all of these guys in green and yellow charge at the wall when they have no chance of survival um, and the whole group is wiped out and you find out later when you understand the politics of the other side that it was actually um, to wipe out the leaders of this house um, so the writer had actually had the foresight to set up um, this story for a later story which i th- I thought I think is fabulous when that stuff happens
1: that reminded me reminds me of the um scene in Braveheart where the Irish guys all charge and they charging at each other, yelling and whooping and screaming and when they get get there, they all stop and shake hands, turn around and attack the other people.
0: And then he turns to uh, William Wallace and he says, it's my Ireland. I told you it was my Ireland.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. So he's the king. He, he, they The English were so convinced that the Irish were going to come in on their side, but they didn't.
0: Well, look, uh, betrayal is is absolutely at the central heart of what is a good story. Uh, and if we look at Shakespeare and we look at these biblical stories, we've just talked about this this idea of of betrayal is something that really cuts to the heart of the human condition. When do we make the decision to stand by someone, and when do we step back? Um, and 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 I guess all of us would actually have experiences where we've actually felt betrayed, and we've actually had to. Make that decision in that same movie Braveheart uh, uh, Robert de Bruce uh, makes the decision to betray the other Scottish nobles and he's speaking to his uh, father in the tower and it's a beautiful scene where he says he says all men betray all you know like in, and he's he's basically saying that in in order to to advance in power we actually have to be prepared to betray Uh you know like um i i i'll never forget the sight of uh of our current prime minister scott morrison standing next to the previous prime minister yeah, uh, malcolm Turnbull. Minister. this is my yeah. prime minister um you know like uh, i have i'm amb- i am everywhere. ambitious for him
1: yes. um, you, 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 know, you know the, the ultimate, ultimate betrayal, betrayal or the, or the vengeance, vengeance from, from the betrayal, betrayal occurs at the end of braveheart when the pregnant queen goes to the dying king and whispers in his ear that she's not pregnant to him, she's pregnant to William Wallace.
0: Yep, and so a red-haired Scotsman takes the that's, throne, that's and that right. mystery, that uncertainty, actually still lives with uh, with with British history to this day. Exactly. So we all use our power, um, you know, in ways uh, we all we all sorry we all have the choice about using our power. Um, and we all have our own agendas and our own plans, and so, so, so this this idea of betrayal um, is something that I think is at the heart of the human condition. Yep, I think goes so, so. right back to that very first story in the Old Testament in the Bible in Genesis, in the garden, where where God says, "Here is the order of the garden. These are the things that you need to do." and, uh, and the, the, the the people in the garden make the decision to go against that to betray to hide and to cover up um, there, there's a there's a sense in which um, uh, not being able to be trustworthy or to trust others is is actually one of our greatest vulnerabilities
1: yeah I think that one of the other one of the things that happens in modern days only just happened just recently where is the general populace or a few of them don't trust the government to do the right thing by them and in and in going out on the streets and marching against what the government wants they're actually going to bring about the thing that they fear most
0: yeah absolutely yeah and that often is what occurs with betrayal I mean I look at that Judas story we mentioned before um, there there are some commentators who might suggest that what Judas was attempting to do was to force Jesus' hand. Um, to he was concerned that the movement that he was a part of was going to come to an abrupt end, um, because Jesus wasn't prepared to take a stand against the Romans and the and uh and and the, the oppressors. And so he thought, Well, I know how powerful he is, if I back him into a corner, maybe he'll come out fighting and um and uh unfortunately Judas brought about the very thing he was trying to uh to, to stop.
1: But the actual fact is that when he did back him into a corner, he did come out fighting because he fought death and that's about the biggest battle you can ever have
0: well jesus chose to remain true and not betray the values and the mission the 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 purpose of him of of his being there um yeah. that that um that uh certainly i believe that um with all of the other miraculous stories that jesus could have Um, leapt down from the cross could have um, changed the will of the crowd Uh, if you can calm a storm can't you calm a crowd Um, so you know all of those things were within his power to do but actually remaining true to the mission demonstrating what love is all about Um, and love cuts through betrayal
1: yeah that's i mean if you go through life and nobody ever betrays you you haven't really lived because you will get betrayed in your life it's just part of the human um situation
0: and we can't live our lives in fear of betrayal um no, no. either no look so there's a lot to talk about there um moving on from betrayal uh, i was uh really um taken by another uh, like a, another aspect of this episode that they kind of used or borrowed from other science fiction i i felt that while they were crawling through the jeffrey's tubes with their weapons out that it, uh, it was a bit like uh, being back with Sigourney Weaver uh, playing Ripley in the uh, in the Alien movie. Um, the idea that they they were hunted and being hunted by this uh, creature creature that uh, bore them ill will um, was was uh, there. Were some quite interesting scenes there um, from from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I, I if you're thinking about that original movie, um, not the original movie Alien but the second one, Aliens, where Zagorny Weaver gets the little girl and she takes a cloth and makes a little clean mark on her face because she was covered in filth. And she said, oh, I've made a clean spot. Sometimes I- in life, if we make a clean spot on something, we just can't leave it there. So if, if you're trying to fix up something in a group that you're in or fix up a relationship and you attempt to fix it, and you make a clean spot and the person who you've made the clean spot on can't see it because it's on them but you can see that you've made a clean spot is it up to you to keep going and make the whole thing clean
0: yeah and you end up with uh opening pandora's box almost where you actually go yeah. i mean there have been times in my life where i've actually spotted a problem and i've gone if i take one step further right. in investigating yep. this i am now going to have to actually take responsibility for trying to fix this up because but but perhaps i mean there's that whole ignorance is bliss thing you know like
1: well there's it's like when you get a big windstorm like we've had a few up here and the whole backyard is covered in leaves if you go out and rake a square meter up and put it in the bin, it doesn't look right. It looked better if the whole backyard was still covered in leaves.
0: With that with that thought in mind, is it is it better personally? I'm just thinking it through myself to not know um, if there's been a betrayal, if there's been something that's occurred. Um, is it is it better to live in ignorant bliss and actually have no idea um, that uh, something has been done that shouldn't have been done?
1: Well, it's interesting you say that because I was watching a show on TV the other day and there was a bomb planted in this room where all these people were. and so They're all FBI agents and, and that in there, but the, this bomb was in a the bag. They opened the bag and found the bomb and there was three of them standing around the bag and one girl says, I know how to fix this bomb. And she reached in with a pair of pliers and cut these wires and it com- completely went dead. And they were looking at each other and gone, well done, thank goodness for boom. And they were all killed. So would it have been better if they'd have known because the timer speeded up and then the bomb went off? Or is it better that they thought they'd fixed the situation and then the bomb went off? They on. died
0: happy. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. it? And, and that happens at the end of this episode. At the end of this episode, we we have this great sense of relief. I mean, there's some grief there because we see Odo's disappointment and regret yeah, yeah. in himself. But because but you we didn't, now you
1: really didn't hear what the the alien the no. um, changeling said to him until he told later on that. He said to me that we're everywhere. We're You're everywhere.
0: So You're we have this sense of relief where we go, yes, we've managed to stop the changeling. The ship is back under control. We're not going to blow up the Zancary and start a war. Um, but then, at the, the sting in the tail of this final episode, that, that really leaves us gasping now until we resume back in March next year. Uh, and back when this was originally released, we would have had to have waited, you know, waited half a till year. until
1: next season. Till yeah.
0: the next season is is. is all that tension that we felt in a small way in a small ship with one changeling now actually moves into a cosmic sense in the whole galaxy by saying, well, there are, there potentially are changelings everywhere. We can't trust yeah, can't anyone. Can't trust anybody. Um, and so Do later anything. on later on, we get that mission to Kronos where they go because they suspect that Gauron might be a changeling because the Klingon Empire is rattling the yeah, saber that's a for very war. Good,
1: a very good episode.
0: Um, and we get to see them all dressed up as Klingons. Um, yep. We 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 um, go to Earth and on Earth um, Ben Sisko can't even be sure that he can trust his own father um, because he might be a changeling. So so this this whispered um, threat warning that says you're too late we're everywhere takes the the tension felt on the ship and magnifies it a hundred million times because now um, there could be changelings in every corner um, and and terror on every street.
1: Yep, it's always amazed me that one of the t- tiny faults I have found with Deep Space Nine and the cha- and the changeling things is that Odo was not capable of making himself look like another human, like perfectly. He could never do it, but the other changelings that were part of the Great Link were able to do it, and is was that part of the way that he was brought up um, from a baby changeling? to a full grown one that the only people that he had any contact were, were with the Bajorans. And he looked a little bit like a Bajoran, but couldn't form anything, any other race.
0: He does. He has taken on many of the characteristics of the, um, the Dr. Mora, who was the yeah. Bajoran who was studying He looks him. a bit like him. Yeah. Um, and, um, and he's got the strange eyes and ears cause he can't quite get the, get that yeah. right. Um, my, my understanding of it watching this series is that um, the, the changelings get better with practice um, and Odo gets better with practice. So much later on...
1: And because the other thing I thought was when they're all linked, when they go back to the Great Link and they're all in there and they're all one entity really, they learn from every one of the other changelings that's entered the Great Link. So they would then gain the abilities to form better forms easier and more complicated forms. Yeah,
0: and certainly Odo does that because we see him after that flying like an uh, a, a hawk and doing yeah, different yeah. things. But, but I guess it still takes practice to get the details of the human form right because this other changeling can actually not just... Make a good human form, but can make a specific human form. Specific form, yeah, um, yeah. And so, so they they have a great talent for that. Um, I'm guessing that that Odo's development in that area has been delayed because he's been um, raised by uh, solids, um, and and so he he has not had any mentoring uh, to help him to practice to take.
1: So the interesting part about Odo in the whole story of of the Space Nine and the Changelings. Is that the changelings were sent out um, as babies through the whole of the known universe and further beyond? And Odo was the first one to actually come back because they did. A, you, there is one part in in Deep Space Nine where they do find another changeling that's a perfect that it, yeah that can do perfect um, humans. Oh, and, he can't. And, and no, he, this
0: guy has the same problem. Um, this other changeling has the same problem as Odo. Um,
1: oh yeah, it did, yep. did. But he was able to actually turn himself into a spaceship too, and go through space.
0: I think he did. Yeah, yeah, he could yep, do that. So he
1: had he had other abilities, and he was one of the ones that was trying to find his way home as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he eventually oh, decides that he yeah, must do that. Yeah. One of the things that I've uh, I, I did find fascinating about the changelings is that it appears that the form that Odo has taken, or the the I guess the archetype of form that he's taken, is the same kind of form that the changelings take as a default form. So if they're not replicating someone else, then they actually look like Odo looks like yeah, they have that yeah. kind of, and so, so even I guess the
1: women, even the women changelings. Yeah.
0: Well, there's also like, a, a really interesting non-binary sense to them. Like it's, it's actually not easy to tell who's a man and who's a woman amongst the changelings. I mean, yeah. sometimes you can, um, but they, they, they don't necessarily have that, that binary gender perspective either but there you can tell you know sometimes you can tell who what's been played by a male and a female actor um but there's a, there's a sense in which um i guess that's their resting that's their default humanoid yeah, bipedal form do you remember form. the one
1: where uh, major kira and odo i think it was odo yeah we're in a cave and yep. and she actually was a changeling but the real major kira was imprisoned somewhere else and yep you the, the were slowly getting, getting, getting covered in rocks getting, yeah getting killed yep and uh, that changeling was able to look exactly like major hero
0: yep that episode hearts of stone was um a few episodes ago um, it was a really good uh, episode to to work through uh, and explore um yeah so look there's there's been lots in this episode um really good to talk about um, Betrayal, really good to to um, uh, finish the season with a massive cliffhanger, um, and um, I, I guess uh, one of the things that I'm 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 really keen to do. I can't believe I finished three series. Um, looking forward now to moving into series four, uh, where I think that the the class and quality of the writing of the episodes really picks up in Deep Space Nine from season. The story four gets onwards. much more complicated. Yeah, and we end up with uh, with with uh, a whole lot of things to look forward to for w- weddings, uh, uh, relationships, funerals, yes. deaths war. Deaths of main characters. Deaths of main yep. characters, yeah. So so there's a lot coming up in this. Uh, the introduction of Michael Dawn um, playing Worf uh, yep. coming to the station um, and the, the escalation uh, that in, in many ways the, the 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 Deep Space Nine space station becomes the, the front line of a conflict with the Dominion. And I think the
1: that Dominion. they... Um they build um, oh, the, the Ferengi. What's his name? The Quark. The, Quark's character much much more.
0: Yes. Yeah, and so and as, alongside Quark becomes we, quite get, a hero. we get we get the um, ascension of Rom as well. Quark's brother. He becomes right. uh, an yeah. engineer. Um, and um, and, and the
1: smartest man on the station, really, because he's the one that invents the minefield.
0: That's right. So, so just, um, I guess, finishing up with, we, we started with favourite characters. Uh, you, you're an electrical engineer um, in your your work life, retired now. Um, Star Trek has had a, a whole raft of uh, significant engineers as we go through. We mentioned James Dewan playing Scotty before, um, but, but you've got uh, Geordie LaForge, um, oh, you weren't Balana Torres. Which which one of the engineers Barclay. would you say? Bar- Barclay, Barclay, original yeah. Barclay. He's a he's a holographic yeah. engineer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no,
1: Barclay, Barclay was um, what they call him. Was his his um, no, uh, the Broccoli. Yeah, they, they nicknamed broccoli.
0: him Broccoli because no, he he was, broccoli. A, he was a he was a bumbler.
1: He was more like a lot of real people. He was didn't understand. I had a little bit of that problem in my life too and I was told on a few times that you've got to trust what you're doing more than you do mm. because people Because I always used to come home and say to your mum, I faked it and I'll fake it till I make it. Yeah. <laughs> but she said, no, you're very clever at what you do. And sometimes it's very difficult for the person who is actually doing things to understand how clever or how what their abilities actually are. Yeah. And sometimes I think we hold ourselves back on that.
0: And we originally saw uh, saw uh, Barclay um, in the A-team uh, playing... Uh, I'll get it right this time. I got hammered last time by the fans for getting it wrong, but he played Mad Murdoch in the A-team. Mur- Mad Murdoch. Yeah, right. yep. Yeah. I'm just trying to remember the actor's that, name. There was another
1: one in that called The Face, and there was one B.A. Oh, yeah, that, that was in the A-team, yeah. I love it when the plan comes together.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, but, Um. B.A. Baracus was played by Mr T. Pity the fool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um
0: and, and the one uh, that
1: played face who was a good looking guy. He was he was um he wasn't anything else much that I can
0: No, remember. no, but Dwight Schultz uh, is the actor who actually plays um uh, Reginald Barclay uh, as as uh um he was Mad Murdoch in um in the A team. So yes. we uh we um Good to know who your favourite engineer was. Um, um, there was a declaration that the greatest engineer of all times um, uh, in the series Lower Decks. They declared that the greatest engineer of all time, uh, who had a statue built to him, was uh, Chief O'Brien, who is the chief engineer of the the space station. Evidently, uh, there's nothing that Chief O'Brien can't do. No, um, he
1: can do he can do almost anything. But Barclay was smarter. I, he
0: had I personally to be smarter
1: from what he did.
0: I personally really liked Trip Tucker. I thought that he was pretty good from Enterprise. Uh, he he yeah. uh, he, yeah. uh, he was able with, to with to what s- he had
1: to work with Which
0: solve a lot life? of problems with very little. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, thanks, Dad, for joining me today uh, for this episode of Deep Faith Nine. Um, It's been fantastic to be able to um, explore this season final. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing everyone uh, back again. Don't forget that Never Odd or Even has a lot to offer in terms of podcasts uh, and other activities. Uh, Keep your eye on the Facebook page where we'll be talking about the things we're doing um, I am um, in the process of uh, exploring a, a new project, uh, a video live streaming project on Twitch, uh, which we will be calling Exegetical Role, uh, where a group of uh, ministers from the Uniting Church will be uh, role playing live for all to see uh, on Twitch TV on the uh, on odd uh, odd, um, the Never Odd or even Twitch page. So that's a new project we're working on. Uh, and as we mentioned before, uh, Loki, the Sacred Timeline is coming up uh, in uh, a couple of weeks' time on the twentieth of August, uh, with Michelle Kaufman and David uh, Darren, uh, with Michelle Kaufman and Darren Wright uh, being uh, on that panel with me to explore uh, all of the themes about predestination, time travel. Uh, and the like in the Loki series Um, this has been the Deep Faith Nine podcast I've been Will Nicholas and I look forward to catching up with you next time